Okay, we're holding a shul, Perakhafes, and we spoke about the idea of the Baras Oiv. That Shul wasn't asking her to use Oiv as a way of getting Shmuel to speak. She wouldn't be able to do that. And that's why he says you're not doing anything wrong. What he wanted her to do was be able to, so to speak, access the nefesh of Shmuel. And then he was hoping to speak to Shmuel himself without resorting to the Kayachatum of Baras Oiv. So that's what we're talking about, that's what we got up to. And now, what happens is, so the Baras Oiv, she sees Shmuel, and like we said from the Gemara, that normally people she's able to bring up using her, the Kayach of the, the Tumah would come, head first, like come feet first, whereas Shmuel came the way that he would normally be, which was head first. And she cries out in a big voice, now, how does she know that he was Shaul from the fact that she saw Shmuel? Why would the one be an indication of the other one? So, they also explain that the reason why Vishay brings yeah, that the reason why Shmuel came, so as we standing up with, with his head above and his feet below, the normal way would be, as a cover for the king. So that was the case, and she said, this must be the king, that, that's why he's covered Melech, that's why he's appearing this way. It does just say that, that being as she was able to connect someone to the nefs of Shul, of Shmuel, since Shmuel told her that, uh, that, that Shul. Mm-hmm. And either way around, she wasn't aware there was Shul beforehand, but now that she's having either seen or heard from Shmuel, about his present brother, Ben Yishai, having brought seen or heard from Shmuel, so now she knows it's Shul, and now she understands that Shul was the one who was always against the the people practicing Ayyavi and and because of that, he was. She was scared that maybe this was just a ruse to get her to prove that she was somebody who used these uh, spiritual destructive powers, and then he would punish her. But and then she said, "Why did he trick me?" Now, Shaul obviously there wasn't the reason he came. So, don't be afraid. I didn't come to punish you. But Kimara is the what you saw. Now, it's a very unusual expression to say. She saw Shmuel, which is normally a term reserved for Hashem. So that's the first time we explain it, that it just means somebody of importance. Just like sometimes Elohim is referred to Dayanim, and Shmuel is a Dayan, like we know. So it says, I saw the Dayan, I saw someone of a man who was, who was considered to be the, the, like the judge Only of the Only she saw him, right. Uh, Shmuel wasn't a Novi on that level, at that stage you couldn't see. But uh, she facilitated that the bringing him there to the Shmuel okay. to speak to him, and the Shmuel could speak to Shmuel, and uh, that's what she could see. So that's what she said. That's one one explanation given. Um, another explanation given here by Rashi is we saw already yesterday that Shmuel went to Moshe Rabbeinu, and we explained what the reason for that was was because Shmuel was scared that he was being brought on account of his Talmud, on account of Shmuel. Like we explained yesterday that he knew that Shmuel was going to get punished. And he thought maybe that's the reason why he's being held accountable too, because he's his student. So he brings Moshe Rabbeinu, just like Moshe Rabbeinu, uh, got Karach, like we said, and his and uh, his descendants punished. And it wasn't an indictment of Moshe, on the contrary, they rebelled against Moshe. So he wanted him to go, and said, what Shaul did wrong wasn't because of Shmuel. On the contrary, he disobeyed Shmuel. So in that case, they were both, then somehow the Baal Sayyid would be aware of two people. And that's why Rashi says that Kim is Lashon Rabbi, and uh, she saw, so it wasn't just Shmuel she saw, but she saw someone accompanying Shmuel too. If it was singular, what would it be? 
it would be singular, it's just the Russian in the plural, in the, or for the, the judge is, is the Elohim, which is basically a, a plural word, which are, even if it refers to a single person. Okay. Didn't recognize it. She recognized Shmuel. Shmuel was alive, so she didn't know what like. She didn't recognize Moshe. Was she also Navi? Was she also Navi? Moshe was Navi, she didn't know who it was. The balance of didn't know who it was. He just saw a storm, so important, but I didn't know who it was. And Moshe comes on his head? No, it's not the right period. But she couldn't say who it was who was coming because she didn't recognize him. Shmuel, she would not. Shmuel was alive at the same time. She had seen Shmuel? Say, could be, or she could be, could be what Shmuel looked like. And Moshe, she seen Moshe? No, of course not. That's why she couldn't say who it was. She just saw, I saw people, I saw someone important, but I don't know who it is. And you know, it's not on the head? Because she no, said no, the right there. Huh? They were both the right way around. They were both standing straight. Huh. That's why she understood this was more than the right way around. because of the royalty? Or because of the Kedusha. He's not coming because of the right So because of that, he wasn't after that. He wasn't being brought by the Kedushah. So Shmuel says, describe him. Vayatame ish zaken oile. I see an old man. He's wearing a meil as a kind of a robe. White robe, and then Shal understands that she's describing Shmuel, and the reason for that would be because we know from the Pasuk that that's what Shmuel used to wear. He used to wear a white robe. So bows down to him. Now, why would he have to bow down as a, to Shmuel? It's, it's a, normally bowing down is a sign of, uh, not, so to speak, negating oneself, submitting oneself to something greater. Which is why it's a thing to bow in front of the king, because it's to show that the king is greater. And uh, now, Shaul uh, wants to show Shmuel that he's willing to accept whatever he says. And that's why he bows down to him. There wasn't a mitzvah of bowing down to a Novi normally. But uh, that's what Shaul does. And now, before Shaul asks anything, so Shmuel gives him a Shmuel why did you worry me? Did I disturb me? Did it bring me back? Um, in other words, Shmuel didn't want to be brought back, especially because he thought he was being brought to the dead. And that's why he, firstly, he accuses Shmuel of, why did you do this? I'm in great distress. And Hashem has left me. He doesn't answer me anymore. Whether through other Nabim, Gam all through dreams, and therefore I called you to the message. Now, when we saw previously, so Shal asked three different directions. He asked Naveen, who didn't answer. He asked in the dream, he didn't get an answer. And he asked Oren Batum, he didn't get an answer either. And over here, he doesn't mention that. He mentions the Naveen and he mentions the dreams. He doesn't talk about Oren Batum. And Hazal said the reason is, is because Shal felt very guilty about Oren Batum. Because he was the one who killed the Lakani. And therefore he knew that if he was going to mention the Rebbe Tumish, Shmuel would tell it your own fault. But, uh, he, but he still mentions the fact that the Levine didn't answer him. And the truth is that was his own fault too. Because when, he, when Shmuel was alive and did give him advice, he didn't listen to Shmuel. So now the miracle that he is that when he needs a Navi, so now he doesn't have one. In other words, he's not able to get in the world because when, when the world was given to him, so he never, he never obeyed the world properly. Both times, Shmuel told him to do things, he didn't do them. So now the American Nebuchadnezzar is that, that when he wants to ask the Nebuchadnezzar to do them, there isn't Nebuchadnezzar available to him. But Shmuel th- Shaul thinks, 
if I can't get a lobby, no, basically in the verse some other way, so at least I'll be able to use this method of speaking to Shmuel, and then Shmuel will tell me what to do. So it's interesting that Shmuel decides to answer. So why are you asking me? You understand that Hashem is Hashem is Hashem has left you, which he was basically repeating back to Shmuel what Shmuel said to him. Shmuel said to him, "Lekim and Shmuel says, "Yes, you're right. Hashem has left you." Arecha is an unusual word. Um, there's different explanations what the Mephoshim give for what the word Arecha means. It does like the Mesiris that says it means your enemy. And Rashi says the same thing. And in the Radak, they explain the word Arecha as being that Kira Hashem is coming to, he's not coming to help, he's coming to punish you. Um, those who explain it like that. In which case, Shmuel's giving him very strong Muslim. He's saying, you're right. So why ask, if you see Hashem doesn't want to help you, and that's why he's not going to answer you through the beam or through the dreams or through anything else. So then why do you think I'm going to answer you? There's a reason Hashem doesn't want to answer you. And you said it yourself. Hashem, hasn't, Hashem doesn't want to help you. So that would be, that, 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 that would be the techach, the, the rebuke that, that Shmuel is giving Shah. There is another way of reading the Pasuk Pasuk. And, and that, that, that's uh, with an interesting deal. And that is, when Shaul speaks to Shmuel, he says, Elikim And when Shmuel answers him, he says, Hashem What's the difference? So we know that Elikim is always a Merasadeh. And Hashem is a Merasadeh. And reading the passage like that, so the Mephoshim will explain that the difference is that Shaul said, I'm being judged. Hashem is punishing me. That's why he calls him Elikim. The name of Hashem really punishes, he judges. He says, Hashem is punishing me, he's decided to leave me. And Shmuel answered him, is no, it's actually a chesed for you. In other words, it's not coming from, the, from Hashem wanting to punish you, it's coming from that Hashem feels sorry for you. And because of that, he's, uh, he's setting up the situation where you're going to get punished in this world as a way instead of getting punished in the next world. And therefore what he's telling Shmuel is that don't see that Hashem has abandoned you as a sign of din, it's actually from the perspective of Elam it's actually a rachim. Which is always an interesting point. Because it's both. On the one hand, it's a din. On the other hand, the fact that Hashem is looking to, so to speak, take take care of a person's outstanding debts in this world, from the perspective of Adam and Bozerachimim. That way they don't have to uh, pay for them in, in the afterlife, which is much more severe. And if that's the case, so then Shul isn't, Shmuel isn't giving him uh, absolute mercy. So Shmuel is saying to him, you should not, you're right, but that's part of the, that Hashem is doing it for your benefit, basically, that you're going to get punished. Um, okay, so that's the, the other way we're in the Pasuk. If that's the case, so the words of Ahi Arecho isn't necessarily meant to mean Hashem is your enemy, but the way that the Targum explains it, that is Hashem is, has left you and He is with your enemy. In other words, the Arecho which is went to you has been transferred to somebody else who you consider your enemy. And then he explains, and if that's the case, in the next passage, he's explaining what Shonda said. Hashem is doing for that person, in other words, for the person who's your enemy, what he said, what he prophesied through me. And that's what Shmuel told Shaul after the story of Amalek, that Hashem will give the mouthfuls to somebody who's more qualified than you. Somebody's better than you, and that's what Hashem is doing. Hashem is doing what he promised in advance, and then he's, he's given the Rechaga to somebody else. Hashem is torn the kingship away from you. 
is giving it to your to your equal to David. And therefore, the, the habit of the Pasuk is that not that Hashem is your enemy, rather that Hashem has given his Yedishmaya to your enemy because Shaul because, uh, is David's enemy. And then it's funny because one Pasuk, he calls David your enemy, and the next Pasuk, he says, he gives it to your friend to David. So, is your enemy your friend? But what's understood is that he didn't mean L'Re'echa, your friend, he meant L'Re'echa like your equal. And that's also, an, so to speak, a Musa to Shaul. Because Saul considered himself to be much greater than David. Um, you see, even when he feels remorseful and he feels sorry for David, he calls him beneath David. We consider, but he considers himself older than he was. He was older he was, and he considers himself greater too. And here, Shmuel equates him. He says he's your equal. That was also a, a certain message to Saul. And that's, that's, that's why you've lost the Siyad Dishmaya. And the reason for that, Kashe because you didn't, just like you didn't listen to Hashem, you didn't carry out the mission that you were told to, to with the anger against the Amalek. That's why his punishment for that is why you're going to get punished today. Which means, now eventually Shmuel answers the question. And Shal says, well, Shal's question was, I don't know what to do. I'm being attacked by the Christian, I don't know what to do. So after first telling Shal that, that you're going to lose the kingship which is going to be given to David, this is the punishment for not obeying Hashem by Amalek. So what's going to happen? Hashem will give the Kaishal together with you in the hands of the Pishnim. You know, not only are you going to die in the battle, but as a result of also the Jewish people are going to lose the war. And tomorrow you and your sons will be with me, which means just like Shal. And it's like, sorry, Shmuel is no longer alive. By this time tomorrow, you and your sons won't be alive either. Not only that, the Jewish camp will also will be killed. They'll also be given hands to Tishnim. So, uh, Shmuel asked, Shal asked, tell me what to do. And then Shmuel's answer to him was, there's nothing to do. This is Hashem's punishment. You're going to get killed tomorrow. That's going to be the onus for, for not listening to Hashem and destroying our money. Now, that's, once again, the simple reading of the Tukim, and then Shmuel's giving him a very, very dire, like, from, no, a warning, or it's more than a warning, but a dire nevu uh, of what's going to happen to him. There's a second chat which Chazal say here also. And the Medaik, the Gemara Brachas, the word that Shmuel says, Tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. Shmuel could have just said, Tomorrow you and your sons will be killed. Why did he say you're going to be with me? So that the, the Gemara understands what it means is Imi Bukhanedin. Just like Shmuel is, was a tzaddik of being an Aden, so he told Shaul, Tomorrow you and your sons will be an Aden too. But now Shaul wasn't such a tzaddik. We just heard beforehand what he done wrong. That goes back to what we said before. And Shmuel told him, This is Hashem acting with Rachamin, which means the answer to the question of what's going to happen. You should know Hashem is going to punish you, you're going to get killed. But that's the Rachman, because that way you'll be deserved to come to Canada. And therefore, basically, what Shmuel's telling him is, it's Kadai for you. It's Kadai for you to get punished in this world, and that way you'll deserve Canada um, afterwards. Because otherwise, then you have this outstanding debt against you, that you had them for what you did wrong, for what you uh, didn't listen to Hashem, you didn't destroy Amalek. Now, Chazal pointed out another thing. 
And Chazal say that Shaul was faced with a, with a choice. Because having heard that, he, that basically he would fall in battle and get killed, so Shaul had a choice. He could have chosen not to go to battle. He could have chosen to surrender to the Pishtim and, and avoid the war. And then maybe he wouldn't have been killed because the battle wouldn't have happened. In other words, being told in advance that you know, in battle you're going to die in battles, you know, avoid battle at all costs. And if or you have just run away, escape, not go into the battlefield, whatever it would have been. And Shaul chose not to do that. Shaul chose, I'm going to see he did go to the battlefield, knowing that he's going to die in war. Why did he do that? So once again, there's two different approaches in the first time. The one approach is that Shmuel wasn't telling him yet you have a choice. Shmuel was saying this is what's going to happen. And okay, so now he was aware of basically tomorrow you're going to die. So it's, it's not going to help to run. It's, it's like a person gets told by another, this is what's going to happen. It was, uh, it wasn't leaving him the opportunity to do otherwise. And was, even if he had run away, the Christian would chase him. He was looking for it. So that, that was the one option, the one, one explanation. But there's another explanation too. And then is Shmuel told him, if you go to war, you're going to die. But based on their understanding, Shal had the option to say, I'm not going to go to war. I'd rather avoid the war and I won't die. But, on the other hand, Shmuel also told him, if you die in battle, then tomorrow you'll be going to end. And the understanding would be because you need the kapara. And if you decide not to die in battle, so then you're not going to get the kapara, then maybe you won't get the end. And so Shmuel had, Shmuel had to make a choice. And Shal had to make a choice, is it worth it for me to choose to die in battle and then deserve to be in Ghanadin? Or is it more worth it for me to try and save my life and run away from the battle, even though I won't get the kapara that I'm meant to get, and then maybe I won't get the same Ghanadin? And here we see that really Shal's a tzaddik, and Shal goes, chooses, I'm going to go to battle. What about his sons? What about his sons? We'll talk about his sons soon. Uh, Shal chooses, I'm going to go to battle, because it's, uh, it's worth it for me to... To, you know, to die here and go for life here to be zechut to Ganed. Not only that, there's a Chazal that says that it made a tremendous impression on Shemayim. Chazal said, Hashem called him Malachim. And he wanted to point out to them, look at somebody who knows he's going to die. And he prepares himself to go to battle, knowing full well that he's not going to come back from this battle. He's going to die because he wants Ganed. Because he wants to get Kapar. And it was considered like a carbon. Just like a person could bring a carbon and uh, it's a way to get Kapar. So Shaul is really giving up himself. He's going out, knowing I'm going to get killed today, I'm going to die, I'm doing it to get kapar. And so there was a special, uh, so to speak, level of, of mysterious nefesh in, in what Shaul tries to do. It's like Doshelot. Doshelot. Right, similar to Right. Now, so what happens? That's the message uh, that Shaul gives him. Vayimai Shaul. He's very afraid of Shmuel said. And also he's very weak. He hadn't eaten for a day and a night. Obviously in Al's Chuvu or Al's Tvila he had been fasting. So he didn't have any energy and he was weak. And also been given such a shocking uh, prediction of the future from Shmuel. So he didn't have Koyach to get out. Now, now, we said previously, this whole discussion between Shmuel and Shaul had nothing to do with the battle of They spoke without her hearing what they were saying. Like I said, he didn't, Shaul didn't ask her to use Oiv to get Shmuel to speak. Shmuel could speak on his own. She just asked her to bring him. But then Shmuel spoke to Shaul directly. So she didn't know what happened. 
So what happens is you see Shmuel Shal lying on the floor. So Vatava Yeshal Shal, the lady comes to Shal, Vatara Kinavamaji is very shaken. So she says to the father, Inay Shamashi Chosfa Bukadeha, your maid servants, listen to what you asked. I risk my life. I listen to what you asked me to do. And as you asked me to bring the nefesh of Shal, Shmuel, I didn't want to do it. I was risking my life to do it. Why? Because she was scared that maybe she would get punished for it. And nevertheless, she listened to him. And she did it. And now, what she wanted to return? And therefore, I'm asking you now to listen to me. And what does she want? I want to prepare food that you're going to eat. Why? Then you know that way when you try, when you leave, you'll have you'll have energy, you'll have, you'll have the koyach, the strength to walk. You know, she could see that he was very shaky, uh, uh, very weak, and she therefore she said, uh, you know, "If I listen to you, I'm asking you to listen to me also, and agree to eat something if I prepare food for you." By a morning, he refused. By a morning, he said, "I'm not going to eat." Why didn't you want to eat? So Kinnerit was also a part of the shiva. You know, if he's fasting as shiva, so now. Now that Shalom made up his mind, I'm going to, I'm going to complete the children and I'm going to give up my life tomorrow. So now he didn't want to eat now either. But by if to by if to buy but they pressure him, both the servants and the lady. By Yishmael Kodem, he listens to them. By Yakum, he already gets up off the floor. By Yishmael Amit, he sits on the bed, and uh, he's he's willing to listen to, uh, to their advice or to, to their pressure to eat. So what did she do? She had a calf which she was fattening um, in the house. So now the king, but So she goes and shakes this calf which she had been uh, preparing. She mixes flour into a dough. She bakes matzahs. Together with the meat of a calf. And so then she prepares a meal. She gives it to Shal and the servants and they eat. And then they get up and they leave that night. Now, why is this something which Navi has to tell us? Yeah, it's wondering. What's so important about it? That uh, that Shaul didn't want to eat and they pushed him to eat and then she shakes the calf and prepares food and they eat. Like why? It's, it's, I'm sure Shaul ate lots of times. It wasn't something which is imperative to know. So why here is it something that Navi tells us? So there's a number of different points you can see in this, this, this aspect of the story. The first one is, uh, well, let's talk about the Alachic aspect first. Number one, we see that she shechts the cough. So, first is the discussion can a lady shecht or not? As we, a lady is allowed to shecht, not shecht. So, firstly, here we see a good example of a case where a lady did shecht and they were willing to eat it. Um, number two, the is, it's a Gemara in that a person who is over of a desire, so then the shkit is also. That's the mission. That the person that we scared the shkit of a desire, the shkit is also. And now they say, even this lady was the badass oif, it didn't make her over of a desire. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been able to eat from the food that she shakted. So that's the second thing we see, and that is that maybe oif was a forbidden practice like we spoke about, but it wasn't necessarily of a desire. It was, a, it was using kaychas or tumma to predict know the future, but it wasn't worshipping a different god, so therefore it didn't render her as the oil of a desire, which would make her shchit a tray. So that's the second point, you see. But number two, number the, second, the third point, you see, and that is something which is also interesting. And that is, Shal allows himself to be 
convinced. In other words, even the Shalom originally said, no, I'm not going to eat. But when his servants push him, he changes his mind. He's breaking down some. And, sorry? He's breaking down some. Right, and... He's and, being beaten down. Yeah, and that's something which we've seen consistently was the weakness of Shah. And that is that he gave into the, to the, you know, the will of other people. Mm-hmm. Is that even by Amalek itself, that was the problem. Uh, Shmuel asked him, why didn't you kill the sheep? And Shah says, because the people convinced me not to kill the sheep. And Shmuel says to him, or? no, probably true. Right. Shmuel says to me, you're the king, why are you listening to the people? They should be listening to you. But you see there was that weakness Shal had, so to speak, that he listened to other people and he gave into, he changed his mind and he gave into other people wanted. And yes, the, the Navi showing us that here, yeah, Shmuel, I mean Shal is doing shiva for the Averi he did, but the underlying cause of the Averi is still there. Which means that uh, someone who's willing to listen to other people and like change his own mind, what he thought was right, because other people told him differently, so here we see the same thing. That he decided he doesn't want to eat, for whatever reason, and but when he's pushed, so then he, he, he changes his mind, he backs down, and he does what other people want. Okay, that's uh, the, another, another point which is in, in, interesting in the story. Now, there's uh, one last point, which Hazal pointed out, and that is, we just spoke about the whole paragraph, we spoke about this lady as being the badass wife. The man says a Chazal that says that she was the mother of Abner. Oh, Abner. Abner. Abner was a general of the Jewish army right. and was the mother of Abner. If that's okay, she wasn't. Abner was a tzaddik. Abner was a tzaddik. Why would his mother be a badass wife? Why would she be involved in such a thing? And that when Shmuel, when Shaul went to her, so uh, we saw that uh, he went with uh, with some of his servants. And uh, one, one of them was Abner. In other words, it was her son, so to speak, who came with, who, who came with Shah. Now, the, that's a very difficult thing to understand. Because firstly, if it was Taka, Abner's mother, and she sees someone coming, accompanying somebody, who did she think he was accompanying? In other words, it's, 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 it seems like she didn't realize it was the king until much later. Well, if, if her son is the general and he's accompanying somebody else, who would be a higher rank mm-hmm. that he would be bringing? So that would be one question. Also, it's some strange why uh, Abner's mother would be somebody, like I said, who's involved in Oyev, which is, at the end of the day, it's, it's something which is uh, something which is an Issa. Something which is an Issa. Um, so, there are different approaches given by the does say that the, when Shaul asked his servants, do you know someone is a virus oath? It was because since Shaul had been on a campaign to destroy anybody who was practicing oath, so then this lady stopped. She didn't want to, she was, she didn't want to get kind of stuff to get caught, so she stopped. And that's why Shaul said, does anyone know someone who used to, or once in the past, maybe did it, that he would be able to you know, find? And that's why Avner, her son, would know that once upon a time his mother had done that. And... Uh, and that's the case. He, he would he would tell the king that yes, that his mother once upon a time knew the knew the art of how to do it. Like he said, she didn't want to do it, um, and it's, it's still we don't even answer the question why she didn't think it was sure if she sees that her son is the one who's bringing somebody to ask her. But uh, it would make sense just at the last point, and that is it says that when she when she's trying to when she sees that Shaul and she knows it's the king now. And he's very weak, and now she tries to convince him together with his servants that they should eat. 
It makes sense. It's a, basically it's a son. It's a general who's trying to convince him to that uh, that that they should they should eat something. And uh, here it's interesting that you see that she's like generally concerned for his welfare. She had this fattened calf, which was something which obviously was a valuable animal, something which I spent time trying to develop and fatten whatever it would be. And now because she sees, she sees that Shoal needs food, so she's willing to shake the calf in order to give Shoal food. Um, that's, the, that's the story of the Vala Um And like we said, the, the Maisa is, it presented Shoal with a tremendous challenge. And more than that, it presented with the opportunity to get Kapar. Because it's an important point to finish with this idea. And that is, there's a big difference between a person who dies because he gets killed and a person who has the ability to avoid getting killed and chooses to die anyway. For example, all the person talk about it. If a person is presented with a choice, uh, either convert or die, and they choose to die, that's, that's called dying on Kiddush Hashem. If a person is just killed because he's Jewish without any choice offered, it's not called dying on Kiddush Hashem. It was something which happened to a person, and definitely they get the, the kapara of being killed, but it wasn't a Kiddush Hashem, it never choice. And therefore there's a certain, uh, there's a certain level that a person has the choice and chooses to die on Kiddush Hashem, or for whatever reason, rather than just being killed. Had Shal just been killed in battle, so it wouldn't have had the same effect of giving him Kapara as now that he has the choice and chooses to die in battle. That's much more of a Kapara for him. And that's why, as much as Hashem didn't want to answer with Nevoah, he let, he let this whole story happen, and he allowed Shmuel to talk to him, basically to give him that choice, so that that way it would be an opportunity for him to get the Kapara. There's Kunire, they're just dying. Wouldn't have been sufficient Kapara? But the fact that he chose to die, and uh, and then it was from his own Bechira, that made him more of a but it made more of a sacrifice, so to speak, more of a serious nefesh, and that's what enabled him to get the kapara, and she will promise him that he would be with him again.